my dad died when I was very young. And she could have gave us all up. She didn't. I might not even be here preaching to you if she'd have done that. Good mama. I love her. I'll do anything I can do, my strength to do. Because I know what a good mama is about. Amen. When my life was in turmoil, growing up as a teenager, how many times she defended me <laughs> when I didn't deserve it. Like I said, I might not be here today. Praise God. So let's remember mothers today, praise God, the importance. Because it's about, listen, we have the mess we have in this country because mothers are not doing their job. Fathers are not doing their job. You got children all messed up today because you know what? Somebody's neglecting their duty as a parent. You know how much lives you could have saved by just bringing a child to church? Oh, come on. Bringing, bringing, bringing a daughter or a son to church. When my daughter got married, Hannah, I told her husband, I said, there's two things I want you to do. Never hit her. Because if he does, he said, well, I'm worried about her hitting me. <laughs> and I said, bring her to church. That's all the requirements really I had because you know, if she's in church, She's going to learn the ways of the Lord. Amen? A child is in church. You know, I, I remember one time Isaac was a little boy, and he was making noise in the back. And, you know, me and him had, went outside to have some fellowship. It's called a board of education on the seat of learning. <laughs> I said, boy, you're not going to interrupt the house of the Lord. There's one lady that was in here. She passed on right now, but she said, oh, let him run around. I said, Okay. You know, I gave in. I, he went down a little ways, almost broke his leg. God said, I told you not to let that boy run in this church. Because this is the house of the Lord. I wanted him to, to honor the house of the Lord. He wasn't going to interrupt the man of God when he's preaching. Amen? When the word of God is going forth. Got to find your son today. He wants to serve God with his life. Okay? He has struggles just like anybody else, but I know in his heart he wants to serve God with his life. Got a few good children that want to serve God with their life. And I thank God for it. I think it's because we brought them to church. And brought, taught them to learn the ways of the Lord. Amen? God, don't have one of them that's a drug addict. Seriously. Don't have one of them that's ever been in jail. Come on, so I'm not saying that's the whole case, but it did help. Praise God. Because there's kids that went to church that ended up on the wrong side of life. Can't blame me if your children are not living right. Start at your house. Right? Blame me if my children are not living right. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm not going to keep you too long because I want some of you to go spend time with your mothers. And your children, because it's important, amen? It's important that you spend time with them. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5 real quick. And I want to talk about touching Jesus this morning. Praise God. We need a touch of the Lord. Amen? We need a touch from Jesus. 
You know, sometimes we wait in Jesus to do all the touching, but we don't want to do the doing. We don't want to go out and strive and push through those situations and push through those problems. We just want Jesus to do it all. He's going to touch me if he wants. That's not true. Oh, it happens sometimes. You're just sitting there and worshiping God, and the Holy Ghost comes, and he touches your life. But sometimes it's going to take work. My God, hallelujah. Sometimes it's going to take you praying and seeking God and trusting in his word. Listen, I can't make that happen for you. I am not the Holy Ghost. You're not the Holy Ghost. We seem to forget that this relationship is personal, right? You can't blame the preacher when your life ain't going right. You can't blame sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so in that denomination and that when your life is not going right. Because the Bible says, come on to me, all ye. That are, oh, jeez, I feel it, sister. You better watch it. <laughs> come on to me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest to your soul. I want to encourage you this morning. You want to touch Jesus this morning? You really want to get close to the Lord? All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm, uh, I'm preaching. I ain't got my spot yet. Hallelujah. Matthew, uh, Mark, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 27. There was a certain woman in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. <laughs> I'm going to read you the story. I came back one day, and I told Janice, Janice, I met a, wo a woman that's been bleeding for 12 years. I went and dumped some limestone or something, and it's just an awkward position because she was in the same condition this lady I'm fixing to read to you was. I said, 12 years? She told me, I've been bleeding for 12 years. Watch. Let me read this to you. Before I, I, I finish telling my story. <laughs> you know, you're at a point in your life where you're trying to understand why Jesus did things certain ways. Uh, how, why it happened like that. I was telling the other day about John 3.16. I was talking to Brother Perry about it when he was here. I said, I sat down and I, I read that verse over and over and over again. And all I ever heard preached about it that God loves us. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but shall have everlasting life. Now, I, I stopped and I said, why would the Lord write that? What was the purpose that God wrote that? Oh, because he loves us. No. Because he hates sin. Because he made sin turns the stomach of God. God was angry. The Bible says God is angry with the sinner every day. And God had to offer his only son that the sinner don't have to go to hell. God's heart hates sin. What well, I don't, well, come on, why would he put it there? The reason Jesus came and died on the cross was that God paid the penalty for sin. And God made a way that man don't have to go to hell. That's the reason why John 3.16 is there. Sure, God loves the world. 
But that's all we ever see. I said, why in the world I'm sitting here some 40 years later and I never saw it? God's anger is real. God, is, God hates sin. So he sent his son to die on the cross that you don't have to perish in your sin. We see John 3.16 written over plaques with some beautiful light at the back. You ever saw them kind of pictures, the cross, and, and it seems so pleasant. But the cross was not pleasant. Whoo, Jesus. The cross was dark. The cross was corrupt. I'm talking about the penalty of death. I mean, Jesus suffering like he did on that thing. It wasn't a beautiful light showing out of the back of it, you know, and John, and John 3, 16, rolling. And that's all fine. And then I'm not against that, but we never see the true picture of Christ and what he did. And I said it the other day, his back was open where his flesh was raw. And he was, and he was carrying that, that thing on his back. I could imagine it's scraping the meat on his back. You can imagine the pain, the agony he suffered. God so loved the world. Oh, Brother Lenny. That he gave his only son. He suffered untold merciful pain. You want to talk about John 3.16? Let's talk about it a minute. What is that about? That's what that's about. The blood of Jesus, the agony, the, the pain that he was raging through his body. And Satan was doing his very best to kill him before he got there. But all along the way, he carried that old tree on his back, rubbing on his open flesh. My Lord, come on somebody. Just constantly scraping the meat on his body. I mean, it's that, oh man, I could feel that, that listen, God so loved the world. <laughs> Come on, Holy Ghost. That he gave his only begotten son. He was hanging on that cross. And it was, they had him on that little, we see that little pedestal. But what that was is that he, when he'd go forward, he couldn't breathe, Jeannie. He'd go like this, and he had to back up. And guess what he was hitting when he pushed his back? Scraping himself again. He was suffering going back, and he was suffering going forward. It was, it was horrible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Forget about just the love part of it. Think about what God did for sin. Think about the penalty he paid on that cross for sin. I don't want to look at that, Brother Lenny, because I might feel convicted. Good. Good. Because God is dealing with each one of us. If we don't see that, we've missed the whole story. All most Christians get it. God so loved the world, and he did. But why was John 3.16 put there? Just because God loves the world? Why? What, what kind of... God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. 
Christ died. <laughs> I can go on and on and on. What a what a a story. This woman, I'm fixing to read about, wanted to touch this Jesus. All right, amen. If I can only touch him. <laughs> Y'all excuse me if I feel the presence of God. Because man, this, this does something to me. Hallelujah. Chapter 5, verse 27. Prior before that, Jairus' daughter had died. Well, Jairus thought she was dying. And Jared went and, and he, he sought Jesus. And while he was going to heal the girl, he met this woman. She went to doctors. She's Gave everything she had, all the money she had. She could not be healed. Constantly bleeding. Had no strength. Couldn't, couldn't find any hope but in one person. Right? Jesus. If you'd ever touch that Jesus on the cross. If you'd ever touch that Jesus that sacrificed his life for you, oh man, hallelujah, for you, who, who suffered and died on that cross for you. If you ever touch him, your life will never be the same. No, we, we, sat, we heard religion all our life. Oh, Jesus died on the cross. Nice, good story. He died for us. Blah, 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 blah. You know, you, but nothing in that story ever did anything for us to stop sinning. Right? You went to the... A religious church that told you Jesus died for your sin, that's good and nice. You, you heard preachers and priests say Jesus died for you, that's good and nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good and nice. But never did it ever change your life because you didn't know the whole story. What was paid? Listen, he, 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 he was nailed with my nails. Those thorns were my thorns. He took my place. The suffering that he bore on his body was my punishment. That should have been mine. But he took my place. And he's traveling on this road. And all of a sudden, this woman comes behind him. And he says here in verse 27. And when she heard about Jesus. <laughs> I could preach on that for a good while. When she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Oh, you ever try to get through a crowd? <laughs> Come on. I can't stand sitting in line waiting. Actually, I'm going to eat dinner. And they got 100 people in front of me. Oh, we said people. Too. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah, but wait, that's only in my head because if I was really hungry, I'd push him out of the way. <laughs> right? Hey, I'm hungry. Get out of my way. But this woman, she sat and she, she could hardly, she was weak. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She found the strength. No, her faith gave her the strength to press through that crowd, push through that crowd. 
My Lord, I don't know if you're listening to me this morning. He, listen, he went in there with everything and every little bit of strength he had. I'm going to touch Jesus. I'm going to touch my God. I'm going to touch Jesus with everything that's in me. I'm going to push. I'm going to fight. I don't care who kicks on me. I don't care who spits on me. I don't care who grabs my hair and pulls me out of the way. I'm going to touch him. She said, if I could only touch his she had made her mind up. I'm going to tell you right, nothing else in this world mattered but getting to Jesus. Boy, if we'd have Christians live like that. <laughs> All we do is go, Lord, I'm suffering and dying. My heart is broken. Everything is falling apart around me, Lord. Bless you, Lord. <laughs> Listen, that's not what he's talking about. If you wanted something to change, push through. Fight for it. Go to the Lord and press through. Don't give up till you touch Jesus. I'm trying to keep my hands in my pocket. <laughs> you gotta get, you ain't gonna get it till you fight for it. I didn't think fate was that tough. Yes, it is. I'm not saying Jesus don't hear you press. That's not what I'm talking about. There's things in your life you've been struggling with, and you just don't push hard enough. Praise God, you just don't go through the crowd. You just don't want to, you just don't want to strain yourself. You don't want to fight for it. How many of you, how, listen, how many of you, is peace important to you? How many of you, joy is important to you? How many is faith important to you? Do you know the devil don't want you to have it? Man, he don't want, he's going to put every obstacle in your way. That's the things he don't want. He don't want you to rejoice like you were doing this morning. He don't want you to have joy in your spirit. He don't want you to have faith in Christ. He don't want you to have peace. So he's going to put every obstacle in your way. Anybody, anywhere, anything. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You know what Brother Willis used to say? I remember you know what the problem? Them and they. That's why I can't have victory. <laughs> they the problem. Them the problem. <laughs> the preacher's the problem. The hypocrite in church is the problem. The wife is the problem. The husband is the problem. Everything is a problem. Them and that. That's how it went. Them and that. This and that and that other thing. <laughs> oh, oh, it's everybody, 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 everything, everywhere. <laughs> Just take the whole world out of the way. I'd be a happy man. <laughs> I'm afraid he ain't going to do that, praise God. <laughs> you know how you have victory? It's through the fight. You know how you have big victory? It's through the trial. You know how you overcome? Through the problems, amen? And it's when God gives you the victory, you can lift your hands and say, Jesus, I've touched you. Come on, Holy Ghost. Jesus, I've made it through. Jesus, I'm, I'll give you the glory and the praise because today I'm living in the peace and joy of the Lord because of you, Lord. Because I've trusted in you. you, you I've touched you. If I may just touch the hem of his garment, that's all I want. I just want the little things that was hanging off his clothes. If I can just grab that little thing on his clothes, hallelujah. If I could just touch him. <laughs> My God, I don't know about you, but man, that's the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. And she heard about Jesus. I'm going to turn verse 27 again. And she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I can only touch his clothes or his garment, I shall be made well. And immediately, <laughs> immediately, 
not next, last week or next, last month or last year. Immediately, her blood had dried up. Twelve years, y'all. Twelve years. This woman had been bleeding. And immediately, it stopped. Oh, God help us. We better think about that. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And if only I ever touched it, and, and I'll be made when immediately the fountain of her blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, Jesus immediately did what? Knowing in himself that power or virtue had gone out of him, turned around and said, who touched me? <laughs> and the disciples come around and said, Lord, man, they're pulling on you, tugging on you. No, no, they ain't, that ain't the kind of touching I'm talking about. Somebody touched me in faith. And Jesus felt the power come out of him. Amazed by it. Listen, he had people touching him all the time. Y'all, all the time. Every day he goes, somebody was grabbing on him and pulling. But this woman amazed Jesus. Huh? How many of you like to amaze Jesus this morning, huh? To, faith had come out of her, uh, Jesus. Power had come out of him. Because she touched him with what? With faith. And what was the most important thing for her right there in the day? It's not what kind of car she was driving, not how big her house was, not how, not how many husbands. Listen, she, she wanted to be healed. Come on, somebody. Come on. I said she wanted to be healed. She had enough of this life. She went to the best physicians in the world. They couldn't do it. She went to the preachers in the synagogue. They couldn't do it. Come on, somebody. You can have holy water poured on into you. You're soaking wet. That ain't going to do it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> but oh, but when Jesus, you touch Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Touch him. Touch him. Touch him. And Jesus immediately, in verse 30, knowing that his, the power or the virtue had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thugging you or pulling on you or grabbing you? And you say, who touched me? She didn't understand that, Lord. <laughs> they didn't understand there was something different happening. There was something different because somebody touched him. Not somebody touched him, but somebody touched him. With an expectation. I don't know about you getting this this morning, but somebody touched him expecting. She risked her own body to get to Jesus. She pulled every ounce of strength in her body, which wasn't very much, to get through that crowd. Like I said, you don't know what these people were. They might have been kicking her out of the way. They might have been spitting on you. I was here first. 
fighting through that bunch, crawling on the legs. I, no, I'll never crawl on the legs for, for, for anybody. I mean, you ain't going to get touched. Come on, Holy Ghost. If you're not willing to crawl on the legs and push through and fight through, you'll never get anything from the Lord. That double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't think that, oh my God, don't think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. Want to touch him this morning? My Lord, I, I love it when you're singing up there and I could, the Lord says, son, you worship me. And I get my mind off everything and, and I could feel the presence of God. I have to apologize because sometimes I don't, I, I, I don't feel it every, every day of the week like that. I, I love to sit in my house or just walk and just have that presence on me all the time. The Bible says for us to pray always without ceasing. What that means is that there has to be a constant spirit of worship. You, you could be doing your housework and worshiping God. You could be driving your car, but just keep your hand on the steering wheel, Okay. <laughs> Worshiping God. Sometimes I'm driving my dump truck worshiping God. <laughs> There's always going to be constant wanting to touch Jesus. But we come to church today and say, well, that's, that's going to be good till next Sunday. That ain't touching the Lord. You know, I got a little excited, got a goosebump, and then I'm all right. <laughs> no, you're not all right. That's not what I'm talking about. When you're going to touch Jesus, something's going to change in your life. It could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be mental. When you're going to start touch Jesus, something's going to happen in your life. Hallelujah. Something's going to change when you're going to touch the Lord. God is calling us today to, to touch Jesus. God is calling us to serve him with all of our heart. We have to press on through. Christians that don't press on through ain't going to touch him. Amen? Hallelujah. I said, people that don't press on through, it's not going to touch him. God is calling us to touch him. To touch him. Turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter, well, chapter 14, verse 34. If we ever need to touch Jesus, it's right now, Okay. If we ever need to touch Jesus, it's right now. Chapter 14, verse 34. I don't know. I got this the other day when we were uh, worshiping, matter of fact. And I want to make it clear that if we're not going to touch the Lord, we're not going to fight to touch him. Is your, is your faint word, word pressing through? Is your faint word fighting for? I'll be honest with you. The only thing that matters right now is faith. Seriously. In the world today, what I see, people are more confused than they've ever been in my life. Churches are messed up. Government's messed up. <laughs> I'm on some. <laughs> you could tell me right now, you, you got to trust in this certain entity. And then, no, I don't have to trust in none of that stuff. Because I'm not impressed by society. I'm not impressed by government. I'm not even impressed by some church people or churches. The only thing that I've been drawing my strength off is on Jesus lately. Oh, boy. You see, we got to link Jesus up to a certain group. Then it's all right. That's not what the Bible teaches. Well, Jesus is a Baptist. Or he's a Pentecostal. Or he's Catholic. Or he's a Matthew. You got all kinds of Jesuses in the world. No, there's only one Jesus. And he's called the Holy Ghost. The power of God. Amen. The salvation of the world. That's the Jesus I want to worship. 
that a rest can just go jump in the lake for all I give a flip for. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be blunt, but it's true. I, I can't draw strength from failing religion. That has got more world in them than, than, than the Spirit of God. Oh, they go to church and they dress up just like you. And they sing the same songs you sing. But they ain't got a lick of Christ in them. Come on. They're just being religious. God help us if we ever get to the point where we're just religious, right? My Lord, I feel like preaching this morning. If you're going to live for God, you better touch Jesus. Hallelujah. Forget about me. Forget about another church. Forget about Touch Jesus. I love it when you come to church, but it's not. You got to touch Jesus, right? Don't trust in man. Don't trust in me. Don't trust in a denomination. Trust in Jesus. Trust Jesus. Well, that reverend said that I had to be baptized a certain way. Certain way. Touch Jesus. Well, this one said I have to go through all the sacraments till I, till I can be made right. Touch Jesus. Forget about it. You know what my message is to you? Touch Jesus. Come on, Holy Ghost. Press through. Go through the crowd. Fight for what's yours, praise God. Because if your faith is, is that precious to you, you're going to fight for it. Because I'm going to tell you right now, in the end, there will be nothing but your faith. There won't be a preacher standing up with you. There won't be a church standing up with you. That's going to be what you did with Jesus Christ. Come on, Holy Ghost. And that's the only thing that's going to matter. Touch Jesus. Come on. You're living up in this place. Touch Jesus. <laughs> Touch him. How do I do that, brother? Touch him. Work. Do what that woman does. Whatever obstacles in your way, press through. Say, I'm not going to let no one stop me from touching Jesus. I'm not going to let a preacher or a priest or my husband or my wife or my children or none of that stop me from, I feel the Holy Ghost, praise God, from touching Jesus. Touch Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. <laughs> hallelujah. Somebody say ouch or amen or something. Hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Touch Jesus. Touch Jesus. Verse 34, chapter 14. How many believe the Bible is still the truth? All these things Jesus spoke to the multitudes in the parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. I opened my mouth in parables, and I uttered and kept it secret from the foundation. I'm not reading right. <laughs> I'm in 13, but it's 14, verse 34. See that? I need to touch Jesus. <laughs> I need to touch Jesus. Hallelujah. God is good. There we go. And when they had crossed over, and this is when Jesus had with his disciples, got into the boat. Remember the storm? And a storm comes out, and guess what Jesus is doing? The disciples all fearful. They're worried. And, 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 and the boat's filling up with water, right? I'd be worried too. <laughs> but aren't fishes? How What happens when bad storms or big waves come? You get a little worried. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> And then, and then in that boat, and, and all of a sudden, and, and the waves of the boat's filling up, and Jesus is sleeping, brother. <laughs> He's on a pillar. 
taking a nap. And listen, you can call it what you want, but the storm is going to come. Hallelujah. And it's going to come, and the boat's going to fill with water, but you don't have to be fearful. Then another time he's coming, that the disciples that took off in the boat. Remember that? And the storm came, and, and, and they, they were just going. They couldn't get anywhere. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Right? And Peter said, Lord, if this is you, let me go out and walk to you. So Peter got out on the water, and he walked to Jesus. Remember that story? Oh, yeah, but Peter was full of unbelief. At least he walked on the water. <laughs> Have you ever walked on water? <laughs> Poor Peter, he gets a bad rap sometimes. Oh, Peter denied Jesus three times. Yeah, how many times you denied him? I never did. Oh, yeah, when he told you to go to church and you went to the, the other way, to something that wasn't God. You, you didn't, that's denying him. <laughs> I'm meddling, okay? Please forgive me. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> when he tells you to pray and uh, all of a sudden uh, Joe Blow calls, he ain't called you in 20 years, you get up and, and you say, well, I got to go be Joe Blow. Uh, Joe Blow is more important than Jesus. And then did you deny him? No, but Peter denied him three times. But anyway, they get to the shore, and it was, it, it, was, it was tough. Jesus couldn't get out of the boat without anybody pushing and shoving on him. Amen? Verse 34. And when he had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when he, the men of the place recognized him or saw him, they sent out all the surrounding regions, brought to him all who were sick, and beg that they, they might just only do what? <laughs> Amen. Touching the hem of his garment. Touch him. And as many as touched him were made whole. Now watch. How many of you struggling? And I'm not talking about it might be spiritual, it might be physical, whatever. If you touch him. You want to fight for this, this Jesus. You want to fight for this healing. You want to fight for this financial blessing. You want to fight for the, whatever you're dealing with. We got to touch him. Amen? That's the only way you're going to find the Lord. The only way you're going to let faith activate in your heart if you touch him. Listen, I know the rapture's fixing to happen. I know the Lord's fixing to come back. But the, the thing you need more than anything right now, this very minute, is to touch him. And I still sing that story when the the uh, five foolish virgins and the five wives. You know, I, I could see, you know, five had all in their lamps. Listen, I want to touch him. I want my lamp full because that's the only way he's going to see me, Lars. If my lamp is full, Mom, if my lamp has the oil, it's burning. <laughs> is that the only way he's going to be able to see me is if I got some light? <laughs> And listen, I say it all. The closer you draw to the light, the closer you get, he'll, he'll, he'll see you. Praise God. Listen, since I had surgery in my eyes, I get aggravated because some, when I, when I, if I don't have these, I'm, it struggles me to work on what I got to do. Like I'm working on a truck or doing whatever. I need to read something in a hurry. And I don't have a pair of them. And just I could feel the frustration because I know 
I want to see. Come on, Holy I said, these eyes were not created not to see. But when they, when they get damaged a little bit, it's hard to see. I don't know about you, but it, I, I, I get frustrated because I want to be able to make out what I'm trying to make out, right? And the problem with us is that we don't want to see Jesus that way. We just want to see Jesus on Sunday morning. Come on. We don't want to see Jesus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Come on. 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever, so and so and so, 24 hours a day. We're just comfortable with seeing Jesus on Sunday morning. That's the only time we come, we see him. But we need to draw him tomorrow, tonight, today. We need to draw closer to touch him. I want to touch him today. I don't want to touch him, wait till next week to, to touch him again. I need to touch him. You know, every time I touch him, something happens in my heart. I tell Janice Alasa, when I sometimes I'm, I'm praying and God speaks to my heart, I'll tell her, I said, this, why? I, I, I want it. Why I'm just learning that now is that's so important that I touch him. I had an incident about two years ago. Listen, I got scared. Seriously, I'm, I'm told that story, but I'm going to tell it for the sake of why. And I was praying in my little corner. And look, the presence of God was so powerful, I got scared. I could almost touch him. It was like a powerful. It's like I could reach out through my window and grab his, grab his hand because I was by the window. And, and, I, and I, almost, I said, man, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> Seriously. And this really happened. You could call me a liar. Till the dawn, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body. I shook myself and I was laying on the side of her. That really happened. I was, I was, I'm, I'm sitting there in the chair and all of a sudden I'm laying by Jan. No, people said, that ain't going to happen. Well, let me tell you, it happened to Philip. God translated him and put him in another place. Why can't it happen to Lanny Hayes? Well, you're just a levy right preacher. You don't, you don't amount to much. I don't care what you think about me. Something happened. <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> and I thought about that over and I said, what happened to me? And listen, I had touched Jesus. <laughs> Man, I was on the verge of having the biggest spiritual moment in my life. And I go back to it because I learned something from it. I was that close. <laughs> Sister Kathy, I was, it was, he was there. I could, it's like I could reach my hand out. and just, I was waiting for to see him. I was too scared. <laughs> That's like a lot of us. We say we want to touch Jesus, but we don't want to. We do, we're too scared to do it. He might ask something of us. He might correct us, Right? He might tell us we're living in sin in some way or another. He might say, you better trust me or you're going to die and go to hell. And I think about in Revelation, I quoted it yesterday, you know, about the letter C in church. You said, I'm well fed. I have no need of the Lord. No, not that you're wretched and miserable. Remember from which you are fallen and repent. Lest I come and remove your candlestick. See, that's the problem with religion today. And I'll tell you what, I don't, as much as I'm a, I'm a pastor of this church, I'm, on, I, I'm, I'm asking, Lord, please, Lord, don't let us be religious. 
Listen, I've seen what religion does to people. Religion makes people feel comfortable just where they're at. They have a level on, in their life where, well, if I could just go to church, which church is great. You should be in church. If I could just say a five-minute prayer every night, if I could just read a verse or two out of the Bible and let the preacher do all the studying and I'll just listen to him, that's the level most people get. I don't want that. I want more. That brother in the back told me he's been feeling, the Lord's touching his heart. You remember he told me that when he came in here? I said, I like to hear that. I like to hear that because I know something is happening, y'all. When a Christian in this church says, Brother Lenny, me and God has been, I've been touching the Lord. God is changing my life. Praise God. Amen. It's a lot more better to hear than, oh, the devil's on my back. <laughs> like our dear brother used to say, bless his holy name. <laughs> we give more credit and praise to Satan than we do to God. My testimony is that the devil's whipping me all up. <laughs> He's got me on the run. Oh, I'm fighting the devil every day. <laughs> Are you winning? <laughs> Come on, somebody. When's the last time you sucker punched the devil? <laughs> I'll tell you when it is. When you said, Jesus is Lord of my life, and I'm going to serve him. The devil hates that. Oh, you can lay one on him. I'm going to believe the, the words of Christ. I'm going to trust in him. Lay it on him. No matter what you throw at my feet, devil, I'm going to serve Jesus. Lay it on him. Sucker punch him. Oh, I'm scared of the devil. Oh, sure. He wants you to be scared of him. He wants to place fear and doubt in your heart. He wants to keep you from touching Jesus. Don't let him. You know, I, I realize something. I can't make that happen for you. I'm here to give you a word from the Lord, right? It's what you do with it. I know the Lord that I serve has given me many victories. Many. And you know what? I need to go back on what the victories he gave me and remember that he did do it. And he's going to do it again and again and again. Because he's not only just God, he's a father. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Listen, the world calls him God. But he's our father. I say that often and often and often again. I would do things for Isaac and Boogie and Hannah and Lena. I do before I do for you because that's my children, right? And there's not a person in this church wouldn't do the same thing. That wouldn't do their best. I'm not talking about promoting their sin. I'm not talking about promoting their rebellion. I'm talking about when they're hurting. Who's the first one to come up to the front, Yvette? Mama, daddy, right? When, they, when they're struggling, who's the first ones to step up? Those that love their children and won't want to see them hurting. <laughs> Mom, I don't know about you, but that did something to me, praise God. Who's the first one when you're struggling and hurting and can't make it? The Father. Who's the first one to step up? Jesus. <laughs> oh, but then you make it sound like Jesus is everything. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. You better believe he is. I don't have victory in myself. I have victory in Jesus. I don't have hope in myself. I have hope in Jesus. I don't have salvation in myself. My salvation is in Jesus. I don't have healing in myself. I have healing in Jesus. 
Come on, Holy Ghost. I don't have no peace in myself. I have peace in Jesus. But if we can never get our eyes off of what, what's ailing us and causing us problems and just get our eyes on Jesus, all that stuff would go away. Come on, Holy Ghost. Paul said like this, I was beaten more than you all. I was thrown in prison. I was, I was whipped so many times. I was shipwrecked. But he said, I'm forgetting those things that are behind me, pressing forward for those He realized that if he would sit there and dwell in his misery, he would never have victory. Did you hear me? If he sat there on time and dwell in his misery, he would never touch Jesus. But my God is more than able to supply every need according to my riches in glory. That don't mean to make your pocketbook full of money. That means inside there's something spiritual that needs to take place. He'll take care of every other need. First seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. You read that in the Bible? I don't care what it is. My God will never fail. Listen, when you look, a lot of times we judge everything by what the world is doing. And we judge everything by what other Christians are doing. And we judge things by what our spouses and our children are doing. We better judge it by what God has already done. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because he's already paid the price for you. You don't need to struggle. He's already paid the price for you. You can have victory today. Praise God. I'm not telling you every, everything in your life is going to fall in place today. But you know that it's going to happen because God has promised. Because through my life, I had to learn through my trials how to have faith. If, I, if you sit up and say, God, I need a healing today, and everybody would get a healing. Oh, God, I need money today, and everybody get money today. If God, I need this, and everything will be coming and thrown at your feet, you know what you'd be? A spoiled baby. Sure, it's easy that way. But Paul said it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, it's easy to believe in it when you can see it. But try to wait in patience for it, in faith, and see what it does to your spirit. Anybody can believe when it's hand, handed to you hand and foot. But it takes a real Christian to believe when, it, when trials and temptations come through your life and then you still stand up on the word and say, I'm going to get victory. And so when you're going through something, say, tell the devil, I'm going to get victory. My God, because Jesus said... <laughs> Jesus said he would take care of me. Jesus said he, no, he'll never leave me or forsake me. Call those things to the devil. Tell him he's a liar. Because all he'll ever do to you, the devil, is say, oh, you're defeated. You'll never amount to anything. Everything's going to fall apart in your life. You've done this and you've done that. That's, that's the devil. Come on, Holy Ghost. I'm not talking to people that are not Christians today. I'm talking to Christians, right? That's the devil. The devil will always tell you you're not worth nothing. You know, you're never amount to anything. But it's time to tell him where to get off. My God says, I'm his child. My God says, he'll work all things to the good of those that trust him. Come on, Holy Ghost. Man, I can quote scriptures till I'm blue in the face. Our God shall take care of all my needs according to his riches and glory. My God shall do it all. My God shall do it all. My God is not there sleeping. He's not taking a nap. He's not on a vacation. He's not like the, the gods of Baal. He is alive. He's real. He's there. If you have a troubled life, pray. Believe God. If you, you have a troubled home, marriage, children, pray. If you have financial problems, pray. 
God has never let me down once. I'm a living testimony. Look at your next chance right there. God never made me rich because maybe I'm not ready to be rich. Because <laughs> I told Janice, if, them, if getting rich takes me away from my faith, they can keep their stupid money. I'm coming. I'm serious. Why God is always making Bill Gates and rich? All these people are rich. They got money. They can go. Listen, I'll tell you right now, I've seen more people destroyed with money than people that don't got it. People commit suicide. They got fame and fortune and everything they need. And they're looking for the next pill they can put down their body because they, they don't have no peace with God. Some of the biggest stars on television. I'll tell you, I, I study that stuff. Died. Maybe make, lucky if they make 50 years old. They're hanging themselves. Killing themselves on drugs. They got to get married 15 times before they think they can find. That is because they're lost. They can't find hope in those things. But only if they marry Jesus, <laughs> only if they would trust the Lord, only if, listen, if you mention Jesus in Hollywood, they're going to throw you out of that city so fast because it's a God-hating, paganistic, ungodly place. That's what it is. Because all it promotes is the glory of Satan. And all these people that are involved, after Satan's finished with them, he kills them, destroys their lives. I know, I studied, I saw it. I said, I can't believe these people are that dumb. Oh, but yeah, they have all that money. They, they got, they're famous. Everybody praises them. No, not everybody praises them. I don't. I pity them. Because they're lost. They don't know God. Amen. Stand up. Praise God. When's the last time you touched his garment. When's the last time you touched Jesus? Well, Brother Lena, I go to church. That's, I, I, I want to ask you. I was watching a program. You ever saw that show, God's Not Dead? They had this black minister. He was preaching on the side of the road. And he was preaching. And, and he came to a car. And the, the car was a pastor. The pastor of a church. He said, do you, do you know Jesus? Oh, Michelle, I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. He said, that's not what I asked you. <laughs> Come on, Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, I stuck in my mind. I said, here he is giving that preacher his credibilities. I'm a pastor of a church. That's not what I asked you. When's the last time you touched the Lord? When's the last time you met Jesus? And you know what? You can ask yourself that same question. Listen, you might be the most spiritual person on the planet. But when's the last time you touched Jesus? I'm not talking about joining this church or joining, you know. I'm talking about you. You, 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 you. When's the last time you touched Jesus? My, my, my uh, goal for this church is to see everybody in this church serving the Lord. Somebody said that the other day, and a preacher said that. You know what the problem with the church? They're looking for the thousands and not for the one. Come on. Jesus said, the shepherd, leave the 99 in the back and go look for that one. And when he finds that one sheep, he rejoices more over that one sheep than over the 99 that was never lost. 
We've got, we, we, we're trying to fill the church up with a bunch of churchy people, a, a bunch of spiritual people. We're not, probably half of them are lost in, in the church. Do you hear what I'm saying? Go for that one. Don't look, listen, you might say, well, I'd rather preach to thousands. Well, what about the ones? <laughs> I ain't got time for just one. They got preachers like that. They got preachers with that man. I ain't got time to go look for one. I, I got to preach to thousands and millions. What about that one? One. One that's on fire for God. One that has a zeal for God. One that wants to see people get saved. Come on, Holy. I remember one time I had a, a little black guy. What's his, what was the, the one that was <laughs> blue? Yeah, that's his name, Blue. <laughs> And, and as I preached to that boy, man, I preached and brought him to church here one time or twice. And listen, you don't ever give up, Lloyd. I, I mean, Janice is in the, in the parking lot <laughs> at Ebers, and I look in the back. I say, look, Janice, Blue. But what was Blue doing? He was fighting with his wife. <laughs> so I had to go <laughs> minister to Blue. Because <laughs> if I'd have let him, his wife would have told him. <laughs> and me and Janice out there, we, we're separating Blue and Melissa. That was her name. But it drew me and her closer because we realized we were trying to do something together for the Lord. And you know what? <laughs> Even I can still see him in my mirror. <laughs> I had a chance to minister to Blue. After that, I don't know where he's at today. He might be a preacher in a church somewhere. I don't know. But at one, one, most preachers will not go preach if they can't get a good uh, offering in the church. Come on, somebody. Most people, listen, I've heard of stories where they, they didn't have, they, they weren't treated with a, 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 a red carpet uh, entrance. They weren't going to go. They, they had to have the right suit on. They had the right, they had to have, they were to be. Let me tell you something. That man ain't even safe. You know somebody like that. He don't know God. It's about one. Lawrence, one. One. Okay? One, y'all. One soul. If each one of y'all would bring a soul to church tomorrow, next week and get saved, we'll double our size. <laughs> no, Seriously. We can't be a barren church. You know, they got barren sheep. If a sheep becomes barren, he's cut, he's, he's finished. Because no use feed somebody that's useless, right? Come on, Holy Ghost. It's no use trying to, to take care of a sheep that don't want to do. When you could be feeding the one that is doing. Touch Jesus. Every one of us in here is a, is a, is a witness. Everyone. So I'm not a preacher, no, you're a witness. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not uh, an elder where you, 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 somebody can pray. You know what I need in this church more than anything? Pray, people that can pray. <laughs> Come on, so not some, some people that can touch God. Somebody can touch Jesus. That's what I need. That's the most important ministry in the church. And yet so few Christians are doing it. Perry was right when he said that. You want to be like Jesus? Pray. <laughs> you want to be like Jesus? Seek the Lord. 
I want to be just like Jesus. Well, no, he's right. Are we like Jesus? Have you prayed all night? <laughs> Have I prayed all night? Has the trouble of your lost loved ones kept you in prayer continually? Or your healing of your body kept you in prayer continually? Has your relationship with your husband and your wife kept you in prayer continually? Touch Jesus. Jesus. 